this was coming. I knew they were going to play the theme to Top Gun to intro the show. Don't ruin it. Take it in. I Listen am. to it. I take it in. I mean, I've watched the movie like a thousand times. Parker actually went to a movie yesterday. Is that the first movie you've been to in a while? Absolutely. Other than Snow Probably White? Probably the last one, too, but it was, it was a really good movie. Uh, I mean, Top Gun Maverick, right? It was. The movie you went I to I love see. the storyline. Uh, it didn't drag, which is a big deal, because I guess sometimes I tend to get bored. Like, I just watch it, and I'm like, really? And then I tend to start to doze off, and my wife will be like, hey! Watch the movie. We just you're not a fan of, for this. You're not a fan of dialogue, right? You don't like <laughs> a lot of talking. Not. Yeah, want, and, the, and the action scenes were off the charts. And I got to be honest with you, Tom Cruise. I was telling you this before the show started. He would come on. I don't want to ruin this no, for everybody because it's a great movie. Don't tell I'm gonna people I'm going to tell you that. this a little bit. Okay. Like he came on before the movie actually started, and he said, "You know, thanks for coming and watching our movie, and we made it for you." And I know for a fact he was looking right at me. He might as well just said, "Hey, Bark." Thanks for coming to the show. <laughs> I, I made this movie for you. Jesus. It was great. Thanks for spending 60 bucks on the three tickets and the $85 for the snacks. Appreciate that. Did he wink? Oh, you're so welcome, Tom. Did he, I'm here for you. Did he finish it by winking at you and go get it down and get it singing? He did. He gave a little. Yeah. Gave a little. So does he get it down and get it singing? Oh, in the man, movie? it's a great movie. Like, I, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask and, and you know, critique movies. But I the the action scenes are, I'm again I'm not, I don't want to ruin this for people that haven't seen it, and I'm not here to tell you to everybody run to the movie theater and watch this. They but should. It, it's, they should. It's they a should. it's a great movie. Yeah. It's the action I'm scenes. The, it. It's you will love it from the start to the finish. Why the will story, I? Why will I love it? What well, about the storyline and the action and? I know the storyline. No, you don't. I do. You absolutely do not. I do. I mean, it's the same thing. He doesn't die at the end, so I know the storyline. Well, I'm not going to ruin it for you. I know he doesn't die because they're making a... Uh... It, well, it said part one. Oh. And I was like, mm, okay. what? Part one? What's that mean? Anyhow. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I don't know. Four bats up. Five bats up from Barker. You know, like they have five. a rating? Five bats? Five. five bats? I'm giving it five. Not even four and a half. No, You're giving it five. 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 I, just, right. just, I think the, the, the talk five that for me Top and him Gun had Maverick. Yeah. at the beginning of the movie sold me. He had me. At hello. He didn't try to get you to join his church, did he? While you were there? He didn't try to get I you to join Scientology. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. He was you, looking right at me when he said you, thanks you for and, coming. Apparently you and Tom have a thing. We did. After that. So, you know, I just thought maybe he would have said, Bark, if you're not doing anything, drop 500 bucks. In <laughs> yeah, the, whenever uh, you go to spring training. Yeah. You drive right by it. You do. Because <laughs> we're right next door to that. We are. I mean, people don't know what we're saying. The the One of the hotels that we stay at in spring training. At least we used to when we went to spring training. Um, was right next door to the well, Church of Scientology. Shut up. Was right next door to the Church of Scientology's headquarters. It is right next door. Can't miss it. Cannot miss it. So uh, there you go. So, so there you go. Barker's, Barker's, uh, Barker's, Barker's all excited about Top Gun. It was great. I had a good time. It was good. The original it was movie still one my, of the and best. My, and my son loved it. He was up on the edge of his seat, which is kind of cool, and just all the action scenes and you know the noise. It's it's perfect for a kid. Like you'll love it. You're a big giant kid. You'll love that. It's noisy and loud and all the and no dialogue. Even better. Yeah, it's great. See, Barker's never let me forget the uh, time we were flying to spring training. Why is spring training a theme today? We'll talk about the White Sox. They, the, the Jays didn't play yesterday. Nothing big happened. So we'll talk about the Jays and White Sox. Nobody got released. Or we got down. Russell Martin. We got Ozzie Guillen and Jack McDowell. So we, we've got it. We got a ton of people coming up. Um, 
Barker's never let me forget the fact that we were sitting beside each other in a flight to spring training, and I was watching a movie with subtitles. No, you weren't watching. I was watching, but I also had my earphones in, and Barker asked me, why do you have your earphones in if you're watching a movie with subtitles? The great question. And it wasn't French, and I can understand, I can understand enough French that, that I, I could listen to it in French. You, you seem to think that this was the stupidest you're thing you'd ever seen. You're lying. No. Anyhow. Reading a movie is just not my thing. Sorry. Anyhow. That's not me. So there you go. Everybody run out and give Tom Cruise some of your hard-earned money because God knows he needs it. <laughs> yeah. You see how much that, that made? Ooh. Oh, I, like I said, the original movie is... is it is. It, the original Top Gun is... I mean, it's just brilliant. It is complete and utter. Yeah, check your brain at the door. Sit and enjoy something for two hours. It's, it's, it's a perfect movie that way. It's a perfect movie that way. All right, let's get folks set for the Jays and White Sox. First of three tonight at the Rogers Center. An intriguing pitching matchup here. Kevin Gossman against Lucas Giolito. Wednesday, it's Hyunjin Ryu against Michael Kopech. Oof. And <laughs> Thursday, it's Alec Manoa against Johnny Cueto. The White Sox are, I mean, they're, they're, they're 500. They're... They're kind of sort of like the Jays. Good starting rotation. Their offense has been inconsistent, but my, oh, my. They've been, I mean, they've been hurt right from the get-go. Offensively, they've had guys out, uh, Luis Robert. Um, and and uh, who am I saying? We were talking about this before the show. Yuan Moncada. Uh, I mean, they, Tim Anderson now was the latest addition to the, uh, to the injured list. I mean, they, they've... I still think, you know, full-handed when they have everybody on the team, they're uh, they're a good team. But 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 I still think Kevin, in some ways, you can still pitch to him. You know, we talked about yeah. it in the postseason. You can still <clears throat> pitch to him. Excuse me. The the only thing that saves this team right now is that the division they play in. They're American League East. They're thirty games under five hundred. They're they're getting annihilated. Let's be honest. Like they're they're starting rotations. It's pretty good, and and these could be some more one-run games, but offensively they've done nothing. And you mentioned the injuries. They're falling like flies. Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, they, they had some at the beginning of the season it was a lot of cold weather games, which is those are impossible to play. Like you're freezing and wearing all that stuff that you have to wear to get yourself through games. It, it was just really tough. And then you start seeing guys, you know, getting hurt and key guys. And you mentioned the Tim Anderson growing issue. That That's a, that's a problem. Like that's – I mean, he's hitting somewhere almost close to 360. To take that guy out of your lineup, you know, you talk about that George Springer effect, punching first. He's sort of the same thing. Maybe not as much power, but line-to-line -line guy who can hit good velocity, who can hit a good pitching, who can lay off the breaking ball, strike the ball. That's going to be a big loss for them. And, and how do they handle that? How do they come back from it? And, again, this gets back to their division they play in, which gives them an opportunity to weather the storm a little bit when it comes to all these things. And they do have good pitching. That, that helps a lot. Their bullpen's been decent, uh, which, you know, they can hang their hat again on that starting pitching. This is this gets back to all the right-handed hitters for the Blue Jays. They're going to face three good righties. Uh, Michael Kopech, which you mentioned, Lucas uh, Giolito, who has T-Rex arm, which if you look at his stuff, it, it is it is straight out of the glove. Like it's a stiff down, it it's a arm. straight up, and then it's throwing it from the ear. It's basically like me reaching for my wallet at the bar, right? Which is never. Yeah. 
It is. It is because you you look at his stuff and you're like, yeah, it's got it's got decent spin on it. You know the 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 what's he throw? He throws a four seamer slider and a changeup. The slider, you know, has good break to it, but it's that deception of that short arm T Rex kind of thing that he throws out of the ear. It's very hard to pick up. It gets on you in a hurry. Uh, he likes the four seamer. He's going to throw that a lot. Going to throw that slider. He'll throw that changeup to both sides to both hitters. Uh, and he's got reverse splits, which means he dominates lefties and righties can give him some fits just because of the way he likes to use his changeup and the location of the heater. So for me, these three games, I've been saying this since the Blue Jays have been trying to get hot. It's their takes. If they can lay off of that good one, mm-hmm. that one that just looks like a strike till the very end and then dives off the plate and it's a ball. If the Blue Jays can lay off of that, which they're going to have to do against good pitchers, is you got to lay off that. If they can lay off of that and get to a better pitch to hit, and I've been saying that, but when you're facing guys like this who have some other things going on other than some spin rate or some big break on the slider or a really good changeup, which Lito does have in the fastball command that he does a decent job with arm side and those things, you know, into a righty away to a lefty, you got to lay off that good one. You got to lay off that late breaking one. And if they can do that, you know, they got a chance of winning some one-run games here. Is he, are these going to be blowouts? Probably not. Like, it's this gets back to that when you face good pitching, you got to grind. You got to, you know, it's not going to, like Kopech's thrown 42, 42 innings this year, hadn't allowed a homer. It's only given up 17 hits. To say it's going to be a grind, and it's just going to be those one, you're passing the baton by how many takes you have against a certain pitcher to make him work harder. You know, even if you get out, it's about working harder. You know, you take that one. Kopech even mentioned that against some of the starts that he's had that didn't go the way he wanted it to. He would say, that team takes my better pitches to make me work a little bit harder with other pitches. What you have to do, and if the Blue Jays can do that, now you can expect two out of three. If they don't, it could be a different story. We mentioned that uh, this team has been plagued by injuries. Uh, Luis Robert uh, is expected back uh, for this series. Uh, he's missed uh, uh, missed a few games going on the um, the COVID IL. He is he is vaxxed, though, uh, so he's expected back for this series. Aloy Jimenez uh, torn right hamstring. He oh. was expected back in June, but they took him out of a, a rehab start on Saturday. Joe Kelly's out. Lance Lynn is out. Um, Garrett Crochet. And uh, restricted uh, restricted list too. You got to remember restricted list. Dylan yeah, yeah. Cease is on the restricted and list. Not Gra- that that Graveman. matters because he wouldn't have started. Deal. Kendall Graveman, yeah, uh, reliever, former Blue Jay, have, mm-hmm. have been placed on the restricted list by the Chicago White Sox, and and of course that would suggest that uh, they aren't vaccinated, yeah. and, and that would obviously create issues with uh, with the border crossing. So. Dylan Cease, as we mentioned, wouldn't have been a factor anyhow in this series. He pitched the 29th. The, you know, I that, that think would, his next start would be the fourth, yeah. if, I'm, if I do my math right. Yeah. So, uh, but Kendall Graveman, uh, Kendall Graveman won't be here. Okay, we've talked about the Jays' approach against the White Sox pitchers, Kevin. What does Kevin, what does Kevin Gossman have to do against this team? Well, well, I mean, I think the, the last couple of times that, that he's had to work a little tougher – I, for me, I think it's the fastball velocity. Mm-hmm. It's it's been up and down for whatever reason. So, sometimes it's been ninety two. Sometimes it's been ninety three. Sometimes he can rear back and give it to you at ninety seven. For me, I think 
to make the split finger that much better. Now you could, I, I know a couple of times with with runners on second base, he 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 would move his glove <clears throat> to make adjustments for that. Normally, it was open towards the shortstop. Uh, now it's a little bit more closed. It's, you know, it's more towards the first base bag that allows him to hide the pitch a little bit more, a little bit better. So. You know, you, you add deception to that mix. I just think the velocity is, you know, you, you always talk about arm side command and, and uh, you know, the elevated fastball with him. But split finger, and can he throw a few more sliders for strikes? He's I don't know if that's because he just hasn't had the feel of it. He hasn't had to throw it. Uh, or just maybe, you know, it's it's just hasn't been in the tank the last couple of outings. Uh, I, maybe that's a pitch that he can use to steal a strike with. Maybe a tough like a Brayu, if he's facing him, he can throw one of those to to steal a strike and and get back in account and then eliminate somebody with the elevated fastball. Who's the key or, to this lineup, the White Sox lineup, in your mind right now? With given the injuries, we let, even if Luis Robert is back, who who is the key to the lineup? I would think a Brayu, but uh, Grandal, if when he's playing, is I know he's hitting somewhere in the buck sixty mm-hmm. range, which you know everybody can can. Spin that in however many different directions they want to spin it. For me, 160 is the buck 60. You know, me too many other ways you can spin it. What you hit, buck 60? That's, but you know, it's hard contact. Now, many times he hit the ball hard the other way. Yeah, I don't know if you walk up to a hitter that they care. It's 160, and that's what it says on that big giant scoreboard. But I would, well, he's one of them too. He's got power, he's got power the other way. Uh, he can give you sometimes a competitive at bat. You're gonna have to work harder to get him out. So, those two guys, I believe. Are, are key, and if Roberts is in the lineup, you got to be careful with him. But uh, for me, Gosman is not one of those guys that he worries about. I think who's standing in the box. It, it's it's don't abuse the split finger, command the fastball, have the velocity on the fastball, and occasionally, because I don't know about you, Jeff, but I can't tell the difference between his changeup and his split finger. I have no idea. They're basically the exact same mile per hour. I know he likes to throw it to a lefty, and it has more side-to-side, which is the changeup movement, other than the split finger that dives off the plate this way, dives down. It's like you're rolling it off a a dinner table. So it's very hard for me to tell the difference a lot of times, because a lot of times, too, when he throws his changeup to lefty, he overthrows it. And it does have a little of, of the split finger movement, so it's impossible to tell. But it is the, you know, for me anyway, it's the it's the don't abuse the split finger, uh, command that fastball, have the velocity on it, and occasionally be able to put it in a hitter's mind that I do have the slider. That for me is what he's been missing. That's why he's had to work a little harder. If he's got that, and he can just put it in their mind that now he's got it, now I have to respect it because he can't eliminate me with it. He can get back an account with it. He can throw OO with it, which puts a lot of doubt in the hitter's mind because they they do guess a ton, and they're trying to get him early, which if you're trying to get a guy early, Jeff, and if he can spin it and get ahead with that slider, that'll be a big pitch for him. So that that's for me. It's more about Kevin Gosman, I think, than it would be the guys in the in the lineup. Yeah, and I was just looking at, <clears throat> as we mentioned, Tim Anderson won't be won't be in the lineup today. There he is. Going into his last game, he was hitting 373 Oof. in his last 28 games. He had 16 multi-hit games. He had multi-hit games six of his last eight, eight of his last 12. The White Sox, without him in the lineup, are 28 and 28 since 2020. With him in the lineup, they're 33 games over 500. Um, look, he he's... He is, in a lot of people's mind, he's almost at the point where every season, you know, when you sit down and look at your preseason MVP picks, now clearly it's Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and Vladdy. But Anderson's a guy that you always kind of stop and think about, and you go, you know, 
Yeah, he could be. Mm-hmm. He could be. I to me, he is he is one of the most underappreciated. I'm not going to see under. I'm not going to say underrated because I think baseball people know how good he is. To me, he's one of the most underappreciated players in the game. To your point, you can almost say it like he has to be an MVP candidate for the White Sox yes, to go where they exa- want to go. It's exactly. sort of that way. He needs to, to have say. a really good year sure. for the White Sox to have a, a really, really good he's a really year. Really good hitter. He's. You know, the power, throw that aside. He's not a, a tremendous power hitter, but a guy that can go line-to-line, line, the true line-to-line line guy that can get the head out on velocity on a good heater in, can wait on a breaking ball and hit that to right center with two strikes, is a competitive at bat, has an ideal, is a guest hitter occasionally because he has to because he's a good hitter. All the things that it takes to be a good hitter in 2022, he's got it. And, on, oh, by the way, he's intimidating. He's intimidating because he's, he's got inti- attitude. He's got a – yep. you know, he likes to talk. And that, that, but he also backs up his talk. He absolutely with his does. But there's a lot goes to that. With you know, sometimes you got to be careful how you throw him because if you move his feet and then he starts talking to you, a lot of pitchers can't handle that. And then the catcher gets involved. A lot of catchers can't handle that. Mm-hmm. So he brings that little different edge. He creates chaos. Oh, that's a he great creates word. chaos. That's a great field. word he you really just dropped is. right there. So yeah, it's gonna be a big loss. And and Jeff Passon came on our show yesterday, and he was saying that that might be the reason why they may. Take a step back. Yeah. Like, they may think about getting rid of some people. Now, I wouldn't because of the rotation they got. The rotation is going to keep them in it and the division they play in. Now, all they uh, The White Sox, to me, are a team, Kevin. They, they're the, they are maybe more than any team in the American League. They are the just-get-in-the-playoffs team. Because mm-hmm. if you just get in the playoffs and you roll out that rotation, you have a shot of winning if you roll out that rotation. By the way, just another further to uh, sing the praises of Tim Anderson – since 2019, so we're talking over two years now, best batting average, actually over three years now, best batting average in the game, Tim Anderson, 326, Trey Turner, 315, Kettle Marte, 309, Michael Brantley, 308. I, I mean, that says it all right there. Well, you talk about George Springer and what George Springer brings to the Blue Jays and, and if how they're trying to keep him healthy. Well, you could say the same thing about Tim Anderson. And now you're hearing a little rumblings about what do the White Sox do? Would they take a step back, even with Tony Russo? Now, I, w- I would think there's no chance of that happening with who their owner is and who they are, their manager is and the rotation that they have and the closer that they have. As Passon said, you don't bring Tony, you don't bring Tony Larusa into to to tear down or rebuild. You would certainly you think don't. not, but the Twinkies are a little bit better. Uh, you know, the Guardians are going to give them a challenge anyway mm-hmm. uh, with the Red Sox not being the Red Sox that maybe we thought they were. At least sort of the, the door creaked open that the White Sox could go through things like this and still make up enough ground to win. So what do you figure? It's going to take 90-ish, 90, 91, 92 games to get in the playoffs, even with the expanded playoffs. So you got to figure, can they win that with all the injuries and not having Tim Anderson for, say, I'll give it a month, being friendly with a month? Can they do it? It's a big question mark. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would say Grandal can't hit a buck sixty all no. year. Somebody who's got to start driving in more runs. Uh, Roberts has got to stay he- healthy. We talk about six tools, and I mentioned this. Well, there's got to be a seventh tool. They've figure got out to, how to get, stay in the lineup, and they've got to get Aloy Jimenez. They have to get Aloy Jimenez back. Absolutely. If they so can get, if they can just kind of hold mm-hmm. serve, and they've been almost all year a game above, a game below, or at five hundred. If they can just kind of stay there until everybody gets back, then maybe that allows Rick Hahn, their GM, to get a read in the team and then approach the trade deadline. But I, to me, the White, the White Sox may be one of those teams, Kevin, where they might be able to make a baseball trade with another contending team 
one of those things where we'll address your what you need, you address what we need. I I just get the sense that they're that that they could be kind of the determinant team at the trade deadline. I I, I really I mean we know Pittsburgh's going to sell. You know, you look around baseball. Who who, who are going to be the sellers? The Reds are big. The Reds. Ones. Luis Castillo is. is that, would yeah. that be a move that the White Sox was made? You go pitching heavy, right? Texas. Maybe. I mean, Texas. The problem with Texas is they got a bunch of guys now in seven-year contracts that nobody. And, that, and those two guys up the middle that paid a bazillion dollars too. I don't. I the Marlins. You don't get the sense that they're necessarily going to sell any of their starting pitchers. Expectations. Where's that at for them? If they make it, they made it. If they don't, it's another rebuilding year or but, a, a, a. But all their building. starting all their starting pitchers are cheap. Very for the most and part, young. and yeah. they're young. There's, yeah, yeah. there's no point in doing that. The Phillies, I mean, I mean, their manager's about to go. Let's and be it, but even if their manager goes, can can you pull the shoot in the season when you I have Bryce think, Harper? I, I, and, 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 and it's and the most money they've ever Ruto? spent in a season. I, yeah, me, I, I don't think you can. That fan base, how could you? So and and you know, and Oakland's always, uh, I, I guess, a possibility with their pitchers. Their pitchers are probably going to be sort of the focal point at the trade market. But I, it would be fascinating to see if the Chicago White Sox would make one of those deals, where they maybe give up a little bit of their, a little bit of their bullpen depth or a little bit of their rotation depth in order to get a different type of player. The the problem is, I look at that lineup, and I know you made this point last year. You were down on them last year, towards the end of the season. You just kept telling me they don't, their defense isn't good enough. They don't play good enough defense, nope. and their lineup is easy to pitch to. It and, is. And you were right. It's. In, in the postseason, mm-hmm. it was an easy lineup to pick apart. It was. It was. Dude, oh, t- t- I t- t- change t- that. Tim Anderson, that, that's a great point, and I don't know how you you figure out ways to keep people on the field. A, a lot of this is you can you can blame all the other off-the-field things about the stretching routines and how they measure how to give guys days off, but for me, it's up to the player to figure out ways to keep themselves on the field, and then right now, it's just you can go down the list on guys that are always hurt, young guys that just need for me anyway to figure out ways to to keep themselves on the field. And I don't know how you work around that. And then Grandal's hitting a buck sixty. Abreu's having a down start to his season. Uh, you know, it's I just don't know how you fix that. And 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 Tony Larusa, how how would Tony Larusa be yeah, on a I, team like this starting a season? He's older. He's an older man. You know how older men are. They're swirly. Like they get the swirly shaft quick. Like yeah, like yeah. and can you imagine a guy coming in supposed to win a World Series and you get off to somebody like, check that word for me, swirly. Yeah, get Hang off on, to a, like you don't like it, like you get you know you're round in circles all the time. Is it a, is it even a word? A swirly is a form of bullying in which the victim's head is put into a toilet. <laughs> That's Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but that that might be like getting your swole on swirly, sorta. sorta. Right? Okay. Anyhow. Get swirly. Old people get swirly. Uh, I'm going to have to ask my family. Let me know when I get swirly, chapped. okay? Oh, chapped is better, yeah. How do you like that? Yeah, okay, that that, that works a little bit. Everybody got to keep everybody happy. Happy is my point. How do you do it? Can you do it? Do you want to do it? Do you care? Well, I think they care. I probably don't. I think it's fun. Uh, <laughs> we've got a pair of tickets to give away for the June 5th game against the Minnesota Twins. We will do that in the next hour. Ozzy Guillen. NBC Sports Chicago analyst, former White Sox manager. You'll never manager. remember this. He was my manager slash coach. Wait, manager slash player when I played winter ball. Imagine that. 
Did you win in, in his? I don't his think team? so. I think he's. That's the reason why he became the manager because they fired the manager that they had. Ah, okay. And he ra- he raised his hand and said, "I'll okay, I'll do." It. Black Jack McDowell, former White Sox ace, will join us at eleven thirty, as well. We'll get uh, his take on the White Sox and the game in general. Jack, shall we say, is not a fan of technology, to put it bluntly. Mm. And I'm dying to ask him what would go through his mind if he's standing on the mound, he looked over in the opposing team's dugout, and two dudes were huddled around an iPad. I bet he would have just, he'd just turn to throw the ball into the dugout. I'm sure it depends on how much they were paying him. He also spent 2021 managing the Burlington Sock Puppets. That's a great name. In the Appalachian League, so... We'll talk to Jack McDowell about That's that. That's a great name. I don't. I don't. I can't My remember mind the worst just went name to I ever a Very, well, I, very dark I place. I do know the funniest name I've ever played for, but I don't want to say it on the air. Well, tell I'm, us, Beavers. That, what's the, funny about the that? Portland? What was the port? The Portland Beavers. What's funny about Cause Beavers? Because it, it was a big. Because well, our our mascot, first of all, was a big giant beaver. Well, that's good. Would yeah. walk around on the field, and I, we had jerseys with a big giant beaver on the front of it, and it was odd. Made me feel funny, like I, because I was trying to, I don't know, and I can just remember how big its tail was, and I was trying to hit on the, my jersey, and yeah. but I was getting away. Well, there's, so you're su- suggesting me there's something scary about the big beaver <laughs> yeah. walking around on the field. Okay. Yeah, I think we stunk too. Rick Sweet was my manager. It was the Padres. That's not an odd team name. Though. You know, it's not an odd. It's not odd. No, at some point the names got really, really odd. But anyhow, Burlington Sock Puppets. I'll, I'll That's a to, great name. I'll have to check and see. I'll have to check and see who uh, who was on the the Sock Puppets. Um, anyhow, Jack McDowell will join us. Uh, but when we come back, Russell Martin, former MLB catcher, a, a much beloved member of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's founder now of Cruise Hard Seltzer. He's announced his retirement. He's talking about golfing. Nice. Uh, getting into the agency business with his friend and agent matt collar and i think i tell you this i think russ martin would be a phenomenal agent me too i think he would be a phenomenal agent anyhow we'll talk to russ martin about what went into the process of formally announcing his retirement and uh, i'll take a look back at his time with the blue jays as well all that ahead this is blair and barker on sportsnet 590 the fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I said I love the movie. I didn't say that I like the soundtrack. Don't be a downer. So we're going to, just because you went to see a movie. Absolutely. Just because you went to see Top Gun. Oh, that's fine. I don't mind. I just didn't need the whole Top Gun soundtrack. Movie. Well, I tell you, you'd be terrible to go to a movie with. You'd be the only person to walk out of that movie and go, did you see that one part? No, I no, <laughs> You'd I be that guy. You are so that I guy. I'd be that aren't guy. You? Taking notes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taking notes of movies. I do have a pair of Blue Jays tickets to give away to the June 5th game against the Minnesota Twins, which we'll do in the uh, next hour. Ozzie Guillen joins us. Jack McDowell as well. And uh, Barker's uh, back leg bits at 1145. DMs are open so you can submit questions for Kevin. I will collate them and uh, organize them. I'll just basically pick the first one that comes up and, and ask it, which is the way we do things. That's not true. 
Um, well, I, I said before the break that uh, our next guest uh, is a much beloved member, uh, former member of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he was, of course, very much a part of the Blue Jays in the, the mid-2013, uh, 2014, sorry, 2015, 2016. And I think for a lot of people around the team, and I think if you ask Alex Anthopoulos this, he'll say the same thing. The, I mean, a lot, had, a lot happened to turn that team into the, the team that it was. We had the late career resurgence of Jose Bautista. We had Edwin Encarnacion turn into an MVP candidate. We had Josh Donaldson win an MVP award. There was a lot of good pitching. A, a lot of things fell into place. But if you talk to Alex the people who were there at the beginning, <clears throat> they will tell you that when they were able to sign Russell Martin to a free agent contract, that was kind of the, the thing that made the baseball world step up and take notice at what the Blue Jays are doing. It really was. I would think, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I think it was one of the very first cornerstones, one of the very first foundation pieces put in place for that team. And we're very pleased to be joined by Russell Martin. Russell, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. I trust that uh, that you're keeping well. I know that, um, of course, you you formally announced your retirement after 14 MLB seasons. What what went into that decision, Russell? Um, it was. I mean, I hadn't played a game in, since 2019, so. Uh, I, I kind of was patient, <laughs> you know, I gave myself a little bit of time and, and just in case I, I kind of got the itch to go back. And um, it was really just, just to kind of like step to the next chapter and, and, and just, you know, give a thank you to the fans and, and, and everybody that played a part in, in my career. And, um, you know, I just wanted to do just a little something just mm-hmm. for something on Instagram and then, and just said thanks to the people that, uh, that played a part in it. And then that was it. But um, I took my time. And um, and so here I am now at home, just hanging out, you know, playing golf uh, and uh, t- taking care of my family. And, and that's it. The the you know, the fact that you didn't play since 2019, was there a point where you thought you were going to come back? Like, was there a team or was there a situation you were looking at or something like that? Well, after the 2019 season, I, I had a few offers on the table. Um, and even before the pandemic hit, I was, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being is the 2019, I, I wasn't playing every day and you know, I wasn't getting any, getting any younger. So just getting ready to get, to get up to play was already getting tougher. You know, you have to do more work. You, you have to take care of yourself better. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're going to play better either. You know what I mean? So, so all, all those things were kind of like making me lean towards possibly not playing. Um, but then the pandemic hit and that was kind of like, okay, there's not going to be any fans. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a season, but there's going to be no fans. And, and to me, that really just took all the excitement away from, from wanting to come back, e- even though I was kind of leaning to, to possibly not playing anyways. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. 
Russ, Russ was whenever I whenever I quit, you know, the first thing that popped in my mind was, oh no, now I got to find a real job. Like, you know, the realization. And look where you are. Absolutely. Now I get to hang out with this guy every single day and talk baseball, which is kind of cool. I get to do that. But you know, all joking aside, I went through that little time of, oh no, what do I do? But then I started thinking about my career and and the good people that I met and the cool things that I went through. Did you have a time like that where you sat down and you were like, man, I I remember this person or I remember this hit or I remember when I was behind the plate and this guy struck out. Is there any of those moments? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really tend to think about those things unless, you know, the, the, somebody brings up a, you know, a situation that happened or, or talks about a, an event that happened. Um, or, or I just see somebody I haven't seen in a while. And then we, you know, we talk about the past and, 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 you know, how cool it was or how much fun we had. Uh, but the thing I miss the most is, is pretty much just hanging out with the guys, you know, whether it's, you know, being on the bus ride from the stadium, going to the plane, you know, playing cards on the plane or like during a rain delay, you know, even more than just like the baseball stuff. It's the stuff that surrounds the baseball, you know, and, and, and that's, that's what I miss. The relationships you have like with the trainers and the coaches and all, all that stuff. It's just, um, that's what I feel like I miss the most. Um, Cause you spend, I feel like you spend like nine or nine, 10 months out of the year with, with those people. And, and next thing you know, it's just, you know, the life completely changes. Uh, okay, I got to be the guy to ask. Was there a favorite moment that you had in your career? Like, like mine was, I got to meet Barry Bonds. Uh, you know, I got to stand at first base when he was at first base when he was Barry Bonds. Like, that's legit. Like, I finally felt like I'd made it, when, you know, when he was actually standing at first base. Is there one of those moments for you, like that aha moment, like, man, that's cool? Um, I mean, if there's one moment that sticks out, it's probably, well, there, there's a couple, right? There's a couple, mm-hmm. but like quickly, um, you know, besides being in the box when Ken Griffey steps in or like a Barry Bonds who are, you know, two of the best players that ever played sure. the game. Um, the two biggest moments I would say would be just being a part of the Jose Batista bat flip moment, mm-hmm. how that whole kind of, it went from being, could have been like really dramatic for, for me. <laughs> and then it turned into being just a, just a, you know, a hero moment for, for the Blue Jays and Jose. And then there was the home run um, in Pittsburgh uh, against Cueto when the fans are chanting and Cueto drops the ball. Right. Those are probably two of like the, the coolest memories that I, that I take back from awesome. it all. You know, Russell, when you were here, I had people telling me Russell Martin would make a great broadcaster. He would make a great coach. He would make a great manager. He would make a great agent. I know you've talked about uh, I, you know, golfing is going to be your competitive outlet. You've... You know, you've got Cruz Hart, Seltzer. Obviously, you've got a mind for business. And I, I think most of us think that you're probably at some point going to fall into something and, and really take charge of it. Like, have you got an idea yet? Yeah, you know, there. I, I know that Matt Colleran, your agent, is a close friend. I've had people yeah. tell me, man, Ross Martin would be a great agent. Like, you can literally do anything. Do you think it'll be in the game or do you think whatever you decide to do will be outside the game? Well, and appreciate the compliments to, to start off. Uh, I think for now, I'm probably going to just do something where it's not as time consuming as like a coaching job or something like that. I'm, I'm, um, I am a consultant with Matt for, mm-hmm. for what he's doing. He's working with uh, Republic Sports, um, sports agency. So I'm kind of helping him recruit guys and, 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 and doing that. But it's, you know, once again, it's not that time consuming. So, so I can kind of be at home um, and hang out with the kids. So, so I got two young daughters and I got a third on the way. 
Um, oh, and I congratulations. think, awesome. thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I think until the kids go to school, so I still have probably like another, you know, three, four years, um, you know, when they start going to school and they're a little bit more busy, that's probably when I'll think about possibly, you know, getting back into, to baseball, um, you know, coaching. So I'm, I'm going to give myself a few years to just, you know, spend some time on the golf course and, 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 uh, you know, and do that thing. And, and then in a few years, when I have a few more gray hairs in the beard, uh, I'll think about getting back into baseball a little bit more intensely. You know, I was, I went back and looked through some notes I'd kept, uh, from a couple of years ago. And I, I went down to do this to, to Dodger stadium to do a story on you when you were playing for the Dodgers and Luis Gonzalez was one of your teammates. And I remember talking to Luis Gonzalez and obviously we're talking and I wrote this in the story as well. We're talking about you. He said, the thing with Russ is he said, I I'm trying to get him to understand that he doesn't have to dive head first into first base, which apparently when you were, apparently you did it like three times in a month or something like that with the Dodgers. But it was interesting because he talked about how every professional athlete, and this was eh, Louis, I don't know how old he would have been at this point, but he was kind of in the, the twilight of his career was talking about how you have to kind of find that balance between going all out and self-preservation and realize that as good a player as you are, you are no good to your team on the IL. And I'm just wondering, that lesson, uh, Russell, when, when you talk to young players, is that part of the some of the wisdom you try to install in them? Because I told people, when you broke in, and you know this, you were hell yeah. on wheels when you broke in, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you scared people because we all thought you were going to get hurt all the time the way you played. It's true. I, I, I didn't really, uh, I, I heard him. <laughs> I heard the advice. I didn't think, I don't think I took the advice. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, it was just, I had one, one speed and, and that was all out. And, um, and I don't, I, you know, I, I can't really, I don't really talk about that with, with players. Mm-hmm. You don't really, you don't really see players play like that as much. I feel like anymore. They're, they're a little bit, not that they're, but like the game has changed, right? You don't right. see as many stolen bases. And, and, um, I mean, you have a few players that are, that are kind of crazy and, and go all out and, 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 you know, play fearlessly. Um, but I feel like players are a little bit smarter nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I was just, I just didn't care. I was just, I, I had one speed. I'm going to go all out. If I need to run through a wall, I'm going to do it. Kind of like what Kevin Pillar did in the outfield. You know, right. like he was just, he was like that same type of player. And, and, you see them, there's just, there's just not that many. Um, but you have to have, uh, you know, I, I never felt like I took decisions that were dangerous. Right. Like I felt like I was in control of what I was doing, but from the outside, it probably looked like it was a little bit dangerous. Like, like when I was doing like parkour, jumping on a rail and, you know, that's <laughs> kind of like, I, you know, I was a kid doing that, you know, and, and in my living room, like I've always wanted to be like a ninja, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so that's, so that was just kind of always part of my DNA. Um, and I kind of took that onto the baseball field, but I could see how the front office and people were like, Oh man, this is, this guy's, uh, you know, like we have to be careful, you know, like, I don't know if we want to, you know, extend a deal to to a type of player that's potentially at risk, you know, on a day to day basis, you know? Yeah. So, um, but as a young player, you know, you hear veterans always trying to give you advice and, and more like most young players, they think they know everything and they just do it their way and, and until they fail or something happens and then they learn a lesson, you know? And, um, 
And, and for me, I just, I don't know, I, I never really learned the lesson and, until I was kind of forced to when I got hurt on the play at home plate. Right. And that kind of took away from, from my ability to, to, to steal as much as I did and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I had fun. I had fun playing hard. There's no doubt. Uh, the 2015 Blue Jays. If Brett Cecil doesn't get hurt, you yeah. guys win the uh, you guys win the AL, don't you? At least. Oh, Cecil was coming on strong at the end there. I remember, and, and that team was incredible. Like the lineup was just, you know, just would just wear you out as a starter. No matter how good of a starter you were, like you you went through a gauntlet of guys who were just battling. You know, at bat after at bat after at bat, and then we'd get to the bullpen, and um, you know, I think we we definitely had you know we definitely had championship caliber team, um, and for sure having you know one of your best relievers go down is is not going to help you know because they're so valuable, especially when you know it's playoff time and you're you know every single out matters, and and when you lose one of those automatic out guys from the bullpen, mm. you know it, it it just changes it changes everything. Um, but I mean, that, that's, that, that's baseball. You can always look back and you can always say, well, uh, you know, if we had this player, we could have won like the Braves won without a Kuna, you know? So, yeah. so it's, it's definitely doable, you know, and, te- and teams do it. So there's, there's, there's no excuses, but, um, at that point in time, that definitely was a big blow. Russ, do you have to learn how to play with expectations as a, as a young team? Is that a thing? Do you have to talk about that in the clubhouse? expectations I remember Donaldson you know he kind of he said something one day and it kind of rung rung a bell he said uh you know expectations are like limitations you know like if you tell yourself that you're going to do something and then you step that's your standard that's kind of you kind of like limit yourself but Donaldson was like well I'm I'm, you know I'm going to try and hit 90 homers kind of thing you know what I mean and like and then if you fall short of 90, well, guess what? You're still going to be pretty happy about it at the end of the year. Um, but, but I think, you know, it, it's a touchy subject. You know, for some people, you know, they, 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 they want to have a goal and, and it gives them something to strive for. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you tell yourself you want, uh, you want to hit, you know, 280, well, if you try and hit 280, there's a good chance you might hit a little bit less than 280, you know? Um, and... You know, numbers are just numbers. I just feel like baseball is just a game that you just play. It's pitch by pitch. You know, it's game by game. And you go out there and you just do your best. And at the end of the year, you know, you you look at your stats and they are what they are. But the goal is to win as many games as possible and help your team win. You know, that's for me, that's the stat. I know we love stats and and we're all guilty of it, looking at the scoreboard and and looking at what you're slugging and looking at your batting average. Um, But I feel like that does more harm than good. You know, you, you, baseball is, is, is it's simple. It's like there's one stat. Like, did you get a W or did you get an L? You know, mm-hmm. and it's a team game. And then we can, you know, can have fun and, and discuss stats as much as you want. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you're 0 for 4 and you make a couple of nice plays and you help your team win, well, we got a W. You know, we're cracking open up a beer and, and, and cheers in at the end of the day and, and listening to music in the clubhouse. And that's what it's all about. Russell, listen, we really appreciate your time today. Best of luck uh, with whatever the future holds. Best of luck with uh, crude hard, uh, Cruise Hard Seltzer. And, uh, you know, thanks for – I really enjoyed our chats over the years. Absolutely. I think you, I think you know how much we appreciated how, how good you were with us uh, in the media. And uh, be well and uh, enjoy your girls, man. They grow up fast. <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Thank Appreciate you. it. All right. It's Russell Martin. Um, yeah, he was, uh, like I said, I had a chance to watch him when he broke into baseball. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I can remember talking to Vince Scully one day at Dodger Stadium when I was doing this story on Russell. And, of course, Vince Scully had seen all the Dodgers catchers. And he was talking about how much he loved watching Russell play. But he worried. (laughs) Because, yeah, I mean, when he broke in, he was... That's a guy who, he was kind of a shortstop who became a catcher. And he played that way. Mm-hmm. And he went, I, you know, he used the phrase balls out, man. That, that's what he did. Uh, he used to, the, the sliding into first base head first thing was silly. And I can remember Luis Gonzalez <laughs> talking about that. Saying, dude, you're going <laughs> to, you know, you're an everyday catcher. And that's your Run shoulder. Run through it. Run through, Run through it. it. There you go. But, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch, man, when he, when he played. And it was interesting kind of following him later in his career, too, as he kind of graduated into the, the older guy f- uh, phase. And, Kevin, I always thought that as that team wound down, 2015 wound down, we talk about guys sort of had to move on. I don't think he would say it, but I spent enough time talking to Russell in the clubhouse and noticing him in the clubhouse. I think the last year or so with the Blue Jays really kind of... It was time. It, it really wore on him. I think so. It I, really I think, wore I think on it was time. I, I, I think I like his uh, his attitude and his answer to the expectations thing of it. I, I tried to ask that in a way to relate it to the Blue Jays and, and yeah. how what the Blue Jays early on was going through. They're trying too hard. And and just Russell thinking about it, it's, it's about wins. And is the Blue Jays as a core there yet? They say it is. But if I haven't been paid yet, Jeff, is it? Are, are they really to the point where it's nothing but all about wins? Realistically, do you think to a man that that's what it's all about? I, let's, let's be honest. You're a human being and a trying to feed your family first and make as much money as Listen. you possibly can first. And I know what Russell, the answer that he gave, but I was re- thinking about hey, the Blue Jays. Are, is the Blue Jays there yet? I'm not, I'm not going to give the name of the player. I had a guy, a Blue Jays player, we t- talking about, it's funny, talking about that very subject about, and, and it was in the context of what a long-term contract means. And, he, and, and his point was, you know, you're right. Wins and losses can fuel you. But I remember him telling me, you know what? When you're in the dog days or when you're in a slump or when you just, You've got a week where you, whatever, stuff's not great at home. You're, I, I, the security of the long-term mm-hmm. contract makes a big, big, big difference. Any job to getting have. you through, to Any getting job, to yeah. getting you through there. And, and it was interesting hearing you say that. And I and I think that's right. I, I listen. That that's one of the reasons that I like I like organizations that that lock up their young core mm-hmm. players to long-term contracts because. I think there are times, just like any other business, there are times when you're not at your best, man. There are times when the other guys are better than you and they're kicking your ass. And there is a security that comes with knowing you're going to be around because the people who are paying you know and trust that you will be better than you were that week. Just remember Bo's face whenever he was talking about the spring training and the money that he didn't get that he thought he was supposed to get. His face. How it looked. Yeah, and how I you didn't like that. And listen, and, and I, I don't think that's 
front of mind all the time. But I, I really, no. do, I, I really do. And I, again, this conversation mm. with this player saying, "Oh yeah," he said, "It makes a difference." Believe me, it makes me. It allows me to worry about getting better, not hanging on to my job. It's hard. It's not the easiest thing to separate the two with no. it's all about winning. But, oh, by the way, you know that I don't have a deal yet. See, it's, 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 it's one thing for George Springer to talk and preach and yep. scream and You're yell right. and rah, rah. It's all about winning. It's a team thing. And then if I'm Bo, let's be realistic. If I'm Bo, I'm Vladdy, I'm Teoscar Hernandez, who are on the verge of Big deals wanting that. Now, I'm not saying that that's not part of it and that's what they want to do. And and if, if they're winning, that means those three guys are performing at the highest level and they're yeah. going to get paid. But you know as well as anybody, Jeff, that they're thinking, man, alive. I still want to get paid. I want to hit. And then we'll win. We'll worry about that. I, there's a little bit of I just found that conversation that he had. because he's been there and done it before. And yeah. that deal that he signed when he came here, you made me think of it. When he signed that, the expectations for the organization went up. But, because they signed him, that's yes. there's something comes with that. Yeah, I, listen, I I just think, I think there is. I know that. I mean, I long for the day when fans and media didn't talk about contracts all that much. Um, I mean, I know that's uh, those those days are gone. Um, you know, it used to be that every baseball fan or every baseball reporter wanted to be a manager. Now every baseball fan or every baseball reporter wants to be a general manager. I mean, it's just it, it it's kind of the way it is. We all, all we talk about for the most part, especially in the off season, is contracts and money and and as if it's our money. And and I, after a while, it gets a little old. You know, you you look at Russ's contract. The Jays, Alex will tell you, they gave him an extra year. They had to. There's sure. a premium even for a Canadian player. There was a premium coming to Canada. George Springer, he got an extra year. Nobody, it's not that that players don't like coming to Canada, don't like coming to Toronto, but it's kind of accepted in the game that there's a premium. Five-year contract to sign with the Yankees for the Jays to get that person, they're probably going to have to offer a six-year contract. that's, That's just the way it is. And yeah, the final year of Russ Martin's contract, was it? A good return? To me, it was a good return because of what it gave me in my first and second year of that contract and the third year of that contract. That's kind of the way I view long-term contracts. If you sign a guy to a long-term contract, guess what? The last year's probably not going to be as good as the, the first year of the deal. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just isn't. Every now and then, it happens and, and, and the guy has the type of career and is, is, is as good at the end as he was in, in, in the middle of that contract but it's like when when I hear someone gets a six year contract, my first think my first thought is they're signing him for the first four years of the deal, and after that, hey, it's gravy. Mm-hmm. Maybe in that, if the guy's still good in that sixth year, maybe you consider moving him by throwing some money in. Anyhow, but yeah, it it, it uh, was an in- it was an interesting it's an interesting discussion, and I, mm-hmm. I'm. You know, whatever Russell decides to do, he's going to be successful doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely, I would love I would love to see him get into the game as an agent, though, because I think he's just got, between his business sense, between all he's been through, between the guys he's played for, the cities he's played in, the whole combination of his life experience, man, I can see him being uh, giving, being a real, real good advisor. He walks in the room, they stop what they're doing to listen what he has to say. Yeah, guy's been there and done it. Ozzie Guillen's been there and done it. 
the White Sox manager from 2004-2011, won a World Series. He's now an analyst with NBC Sports Chicago. We'll take a deeper dive into the White Sox with Ozzie Guillen. And I'll give tickets away to the June 5th game against the Minnesota Twins. All that ahead. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and on TV on Sportsnet 360.